current scientific calculations tell us that there are a septillion number of stars within our sky. And in that septillion number of stars that we here on Earth have only the ability to see 5,000 of them. And one human being standing from one certain viewpoint only has the ability to see half of those 5,000 stars at one time. When I was a young girl, I would spend hours upon hours upon hours standing with my head bent towards the sky, looking up at these stars, wondering about the lights that came forth into the night sky and made it seem like there were way too many for me as a young girl to begin to count without losing track of how many I had gotten up to. And I'd wonder about those lights and how long it actually took for it to get to where I personally could see it. And you know, this young girl became so obsessed with the awe and wonderment of looking up at that night sky that I begged and pleaded with my parents to buy me what we call the plastic glow-in-the-dark stars Do you remember those? Did anyone have them? You put them up on your ceiling and it would take an act of Congress to get them off and most likely you ruined your ceiling the moment you took them off. I'm still not sure how I got my father, who takes care of things to where they last for 30 and plus years, to say yes to allowing me to have these glow-in-the-dark stars on my ceiling. If you went back to my childhood home, I can almost guarantee they're probably still there. But you know, I'm glad that he said yes, because when I put them upon my ceiling, I would look up and I would stare hours upon hours upon hours. And that feeling, that overwhelming feeling of awe and wonder and magic that I had outside was now in the comfort of my bedroom. It was in the comfort of me being able to look up under on my, my own bed with my comfy blanket around me, and I would fall asleep to this peace and wonderment that filled my sacred space. How could you not stand in awe and wonder when you looked up And you began to realize that these lights that fill the sky above you have traveled seconds, minutes, days, years, centuries, millenniums, and even some of them, too long to count. As we step into the story of God today, we will step into a moment of awe and wonderment. We will step into a moment where Abram is following after the instruction of God himself to turn his head towards the sky and to look up to the stars and begin to count them if he could. Let us go back into that story for just a second. Genesis 15, 1 through 6 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. 
Do not be afraid. Don't you love that almost every time God or an angel comes and says, do not be afraid, because I think I would be afraid. I mean, if you're honest with yourself and, and the creator himself is coming to you, no matter if it's in a vision or not, I think you'd be so overwhelmed that you would be like, okay, all right. But have you ever not been afraid when someone says, do not be afraid? Does that usually work? Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can give you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children. So servant, and my household will have to be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is in your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you actually can. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. This morning, as we turn our heads towards the sky, like Abraham did, we tilt towards the wonderments and the lights. You can be like me as a little child, looking up and get lost in that awe and wonderment and get so focused on this one moment that we have walked into that you begin to miss out on all the things that are happening around this single moment that we step into. You will miss out on what it took for Abram to get to this point in his story. And so I don't want us to miss out on that moment. And so I want us to take a step back and to flip even farther within the story of Abraham Abram, as we see today, for he has not yet had his name changed. He's not gotten to that point in his story just yet. But let's flip back because I need to understand how we step forward into a moment that honestly kind of frustrates me because we're watching Abram push back on God. We're watching Abraham question him and wonder if his promises will actually be fulfilled. And he's being very vocal to it. So how did he get to this point to be so bold to go forth and ask, but what? How? It hasn't happened just yet. So we flip back to chapter 12 in Genesis. We'll find that God actually created or set forth these promises within Abram's life that he will be great. He will be the greatest of the nations, that his name will be known in all the generations to come. We see all these amazing promises spoken over his life. But then if we continue on into the story that happens after that one defining moment, we will discover a life that, well, kind of doesn't really mirror the life of the promises that God had instilled upon him. 
Because we will find in those moments after, as he leaves this land that God told him to leave, the land that he has known his whole life, that his beloved land, and he goes into Canaan, that things don't go all that great, that there becomes a famine within that land. And so he goes to Egypt to escape it. Now that could be good, I understand, you wanting to escape this life-threatening moment, but what happens is, is that Abram makes decisions that aren't the greatest of decisions, and it really frustrates me, and honestly kind of makes me mad. Because to keep himself safe, and what he says to keep him and his wife safe, he tells his wife Sarai, who isn't just yet Sarah, (laughs) to tell all that she meets that she, in fact, is not his wife, that he's not her husband, that he is her brother. That decision, that defining moment, you know what happened? Is that Sarai almost became Pharaoh's wife. He liked her a lot, and he took her into his household, and thankfully God stopped it and cursed Pharaoh and said, whoa, 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 hold back a second. Abram, I know you made a bad decision, but my promise is still going to come into fruition, and I'm going to step in when I need to step in. And so he does. And Sarai gets to go back to Abram, and they've been blessed because, well, Pharaoh liked Sarai a lot and gave Abram a whole lot of cattle and a whole lot of land. And so he went off and he began to live into that new life. And, well, the problem still happened is that him and Lot, his dear beloved kin, that then two couldn't live side by side because their herders and their workers began to get frustrated with one another. And so they decided to separate Not a big, huge thing, you would think. But that, in turn, led to Lot living next to Sodom. Well, Sodom wasn't going well. People weren't good and weren't making wise decisions. In fact, there were decisions that separated them completely from God. That spilled over into Lot's life, and he began to be captured and taken over to Dan. And then... Abram decided, well, I'm going to have to go and rescue my kin. And so he goes and grabs them. Can we say this is not a life that I would have envisioned when God came to me, if he came to me in this way and said, hey, by the way, you are going to have so many offspring that you won't be able to count and you are going to be blessed beyond measure. And anyone who curses you, I will curse. It's not the life that I see Abram living to this point. And even though a lot of it was his decisions that got him to this moment of questioning and wondering, I could see why he would be frustrated. I could see why he would question Because if I turned back in my own story, in my own journey after God called me to a new life in a new way, after he called me to a life that says, I need you to pick up and to leave the place you've known your entire life, all that you loved, and go into a strange land that is filled with strangers over and over and over again. If I looked really close to that life, 
I would find myself making decisions that would create moments that didn't mirror the promises that God placed within my life in that calling. I, too, would find moments of anger and frustration. I, too, would find moments of doubt and missteps. But you know what also I would find? Is this moment that we enter into today. A moment of meeting my creator. A moment of being personal and relational with him. Being allowed to ask the questions. Why God? How God? Will it ever happen, God? And in those moments, I too would have God to metaphorically tell me to look up at the stars. As we look back at the story of Abram, and we begin to dive in our own stories, and how we have responded to the promises and the call that God has placed upon our own lives, I began to wonder, how have you been waiting? How have you been waiting for the fulfillment of those promises? Have you been waiting like Abram in this first part of his story before he becomes Abraham and patient and making unwise decisions and going this way and that way and protecting himself at all costs and all measurements? Or are you waiting in awe and wonder and confidence? And true knowing that even though I look up at the stars and I may not be able to see the septillion of them that live within this universe and beyond, I know that they are there. I know that even though I can't see the fulfillment of his promises, here and now, from this very viewpoint of life, that I know with the bottom of my heart and all that I have that those promises will be fulfilled. Moses waited. He waited in anticipation for offspring and for the promise of land. But he waited oh so impatiently. How have you been waiting? And how have you been waiting for the unseen? One of the things I love about this moment that we stepped into, and as I began to really dive deep into all that was happening within it, the vision and God taking him out of the tent and looking up at the sky, you know what I discovered? I discovered a timeline I've never paid attention to before. For in this moment, if we read just a little bit longer, we'll find that the sun has not yet set. Do you know what that means? That God asked him to go out of his tent during daytime and to look up at the sky. Can you see stars during the day? 
You can see one and it'll blind you. (laughs) But can you even begin to see the 5,000? Nevertheless, the septillion. In this moment that we are walking into, in this moment we enter into today, God is reminding him and he's reminding us that no matter what we are going through, no matter what viewpoint we have in life, that his promises will still be fulfilled, that they are still there. That even when you look up at the sky and you can't see a single light, it doesn't mean that they're no longer there. It just means because of the viewpoint that you have, they're a little distant. How do you wait? How do you wait for the unseen? I will admit, I'm not a good waiter. I'm not a good waiter at all. I'm not talking about serving, although I was great at it being a server. I did it for about 15, 16 years. I'm not good at waiting. In fact, I'm super impatient. I'm that person who pays all that she can at Disney World so she doesn't have to wait in line. Because I just don't like it. I want it here. I want it now. I want it right in front of me. I want to be able to see the goal line. I'm not a runner, but I think if I saw the goal, I'd be like, okay, I can make it there. But if it's too far away, I'm like, the heck with that. I want to see it. And I want affirmation and reaffirmation over and over and over again that you may be to this point, but if you can get to this point, I've got you. And if you can get to that point, I've got you. But sometimes, most times, it's not how life is. And that's not how the promises of God always come into our life. Most times, he'll speak a promise over our life that we won't even begin to see the fulfillment until years, maybe decades, maybe not until we reach eternity. But it doesn't mean that our faithful God will not complete it. How will you wait have you been waiting? How will you wait for the unseen? Will you pray with me? Gracious God, you are a God of promises, a God that is faithful to complete them all. You have shown us over and over again through the story of you that even though your people get impatient, that even though your people try to rework it and do it themselves, that it becomes sometimes things you weren't planning on, that you will rework it and that you will bring forth your promises. If we would just be patient, if we would just turn our heads to the sky, 
we would just look up into the stars, your creation, we would be reminded over and over again just how wonder and mighty you are. As we seek to discover how well we've been waiting, may you help us in that waiting time to even in the daytime look up at the sky and be reminded that your promises are still true and you are still a faithful God. Amen.